You're listening to Making Money Online with Lisa Johnson, the podcast that tells you what it really takes to build a business and the simple steps to get you there. I'm determined to share with you the reality of easy, simple business marketing tips to make passive income so that you can start making money online. Making Money Online is sponsored by Nicola J. Rowley PR, helping entrepreneurs and brands get visible through strategic storytelling. If you're serious about being seen and impacting the lives of others, harnessing the power of PR is the best way to grow and scale your business. Visit njrpr.com for more details and read Nicola's best-selling book, The Power of PR. Hello and welcome to this week's podcast. Today is going to be a great one for all of you that really have been telling yourselves that you need to start selling into corporates because we all kind of know deep down that it's a good idea to do that and that it's another income stream, but we don't know how to do it and we don't really know why we should do it. And so I wanted to talk to somebody who is brilliant at this. So I have with me today, Carol Devney. Carol is amazing at helping entrepreneurs get into corporate and not just like get into corporate, but sell to corporate because that's what it's really all about. It's about making more money from a different way if you're an entrepreneur. And lots of us started out in corporate and we feel like we want to get as far away from it as possible when we're out of it, but actually we can really use it, still have our kind of our terms, like do everything on our terms, but use it in a way that it makes us more money rather than a we're a slave to corporate type of way. So welcome to the show, Carol. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Lisa. No worries. I want to get into, you know, how you did this because you started in corporate, didn't you? Yeah, so I came out of a 20-year career in corporate before I started this. And what were you doing in corporate? So my previous job um, before I started my own business was I was actually a vice president of a, a very large company in Canada. Um, oh. working in the public transport sector and before that I'd been quite a senior exec at a large corporate um, in the UK. So it was pretty, you held these really high up positions. What made you want to leave? So I had toyed with the idea for a while and a few people had said, because of the nature of the work I did, they said you should start on your own, be a consultant. And there was a bit of me that felt I should do that, but I felt a lot of loyalty to the company I worked for at the time. I felt they had invested so much in me that I didn't actually want to leave. It was a huge comfort blanket. You know, I was, I was working in a very big company. I knew a lot of people, had a lot of decision-making power. But when I went to Canada, I went to do a particular job. And, and for no fault of my employer, the job really changed fundamentally. And it, it wasn't the right thing for me to continue to do. I loved, loved the work I'd gone to do. loved the people, loved the environment. And I knew okay, well, I'm, I'm going to leave the company, which means I'm going to leave the country. But it also put me in quite a unique position that I had sold my house. I hadn't bought another one. So financially, and, and people probably don't always know this, I was the only breadwinner in the family at the time. My husband hadn't worked for a few years and, and he wasn't well enough to for a, a while. So suddenly we were in a financial position to say, we could probably take a bit of risk here because we were giving up a lot, you know, giving up a six-figure salary is a lot to start your own business because a lot comes with that salary, pension, yeah. connections, car allowances, everything. So it was just the right combination of things at the right time to say, I think I might try this because my career had always been in a trajectory that kind of followed the next step up the ladder. Yeah, And this was time to actually say, what if I just stopped and thought, 
what is it I really want to do with the rest of my life? Like, what's the difference I want to make? What are the things I want to do? And, and that's how it came about. And you, in your own business, you still worked with corpus, if you like. You had your own business. You did things on your terms, but you were able to access the money that corporates have to be able to pay you. What was it that you were helping them with? So essentially, I work with organisations who either predominantly run projects or they have a side of their business which runs projects. So I work in the project sponsorship side and, and that is what I help with. That kind of grew to doing a lot of leadership and corporate strategy work because when you work as a, as a vice president or a senior exec, essentially what you're doing is, is developing policy strategy and then implementing it across large organisations. Um, so, so actually, although I was doing project work, people also asked me to do um, policy and strategy and I predominantly do that in the public transport and the infrastructure sectors. You must see a lot of people who are coaches or who have their own business, whatever it is that they're doing, that you think they could work in corporate and they're not. And they could be getting some of these projects. They could be pitching for some of these things. Do you see that a lot in this space now that you're in it? I see it all the time, all the time. Like I work with people who, you know, I... So I know what you look for inside corporate and I know what my current clients are looking for and I will spot it and say to people, I have a client that would be great for you. Like, Let me introduce you. And some people are like, great, that's amazing. I would like to make more money for less work. And, and other people look at me in horror and go, I don't work in corporate. I don't do corporate. It's not for me. And I think you're literally throwing money away here. <laughs> you're not yeah. just leaving it on the table. You're running away from cash. <laughs> Why do you think people don't really want to be, you know, doing the, the corporate thing, like having corporate clients on their roster? So I think there's a mixture of reasons, but but I kind of, so I actually spent a bit of time figuring out, like, because people describe the narrative in their own way, but I figured out there were a few reasons for it. One is that sometimes they've had a bad experience in corporate and they just think, I don't want to go back in there because they equate that to be in the situation they were in. They forget that the, the power balance is different. And also they forget that working with corporate is completely different to being inside a corporate organisation. It um, is interesting because I'm like that. So I'm, I've am i been offered a few things in corporate, like go in and teach about, about time blocking, go in and teach about mindset and all of these different things and, and, and a bit of strategy as well. And I have shied away from it. And I think it is that I had a really bad experience in corporate where my boss was awful to me. Like I've written about it before on social media about how awful it was and how I used to cry because I didn't want to go in each day. And, and when I think of going back in there, I think of that me, of, you know, the me that was yeah. an employee. And actually, that wouldn't be anything like that, would it? Because you're on a completely different power balance because you are just a a contractor, you're a supplier, you work on your terms now, and they yeah. pay for that if they want to. Yeah, and, and you're not you're not really caught up in the sort of, if you didn't like corporate politics, you're not really part of that when you're in as a consultant or a coach or, or a supplier in any way. And also you don't get what I call like the corporate spread. So when you've got a corporate job, you've got the job you've been hired to do, and then all the other things that come along with it. You don't have all those other things. When, when you're in there as a supplier, they're paying you purely for what is in the contract. Now, you might be a person who gives a little bit more, but you choose what you give at that point. You, you don't get roped into things. No. Um, so that's one reason. I think another reason is people who have not been in corporate 
either their entire career or not recently, you know, as in selling services, they, they've got a number of barriers that they think are in their way. So they think corporates don't want them, which is not true, or they think they don't belong. So some people look at that corporate environment and think, oh, that, that's huge. That's just not for me. I don't belong in there. The reality is you belong where you choose to belong. Um, and people in corporate are just humans as well. You know, they're just regular people. And they're just looking for, for different people to do th- different things. And I remember when I worked in corporate, I was an executive assistant to somebody really high up. And they would say to me, we need to spend the rest of our budget in this department on on like staffing or on, you know, like training or whatever. We need to spend it by April to find something to spend it on. Otherwise, we don't get to spend it. And we had to spend it. And so sometimes it was a case of me going out there and going, well, I don't know what kind of things would help this department. And it was things like, you know, we'd get in people to talk about all different things, right the way from... You know, when people have those those days like you did with me recently, where you work out like your Myers-Briggs type things, that kind of thing, right the way to people coming in to talk about, you know, the gender pay gap and, and how to work with minorities and all different things like this. And we used to find these people. And now when I think about it, those people were probably just people like me who had their own yeah. business. <laughs> so I think about it. They are just us. And yeah. you know, we used to pay, you know, a lot more than I've seen people pay on the entrepreneurial space when it comes to corporate. There was there was a lot more money on the table. What kind of jobs or, you know, people do you think would be good at going to, you know, pitch for corporate things? Is it like coaches or is it people that have a particular skill set? So I, I think the key thing is figuring out what you've got that a corporate might want to buy. And, and I say this all the time. Think of a corporate as being like a small town. So everything that a small town might need, a corporate needs and more. Like that's, that's you know, so if you sell kettles, you know, think you think of an organisation like, like JP Morgan, I talk about them in my book, they employ 270,000 people. Just think of the amount of coffee granules they buy, the amount of kettles, the amount of chairs. So simple product-based things, the amount of pens they buy all comes from somewhere. But if you then start to look at the services, training is huge because what happens when when you buy in training services and and include coaching in that as well is that you get corporates get something called supplier fatigue where they kind of get a bit fed up wheeling out the same people. You can only put someone at a staff conference at so many conferences. So So actually, yeah, because people go, oh, they were great the first five times, but, you know, I could do the speech myself. So you're actually like a huge corporate, you know, machine churning through suppliers sometimes because you need to keep feeding your, your staff the information, the training, the coaching. And what I would say just now is that anyone who's in the well-being or the coaching sector, this is a boom time. You know, at the moment, what we know is employers are struggling to retain staff everywhere. So they're doing this sort of classic thing of, but you know, they, especially in the public sector, they're constrained that they can't push salaries up too much. So they're doing the classic thing of what else can we do to retain staff? How can we be the best employer? And the last two years that people have gone through have been challenging. So now they're looking at actually how do we bring in people to support well? We in, reduce stress. It used to be they would say, give everyone, you know, six sessions without a counsellor, that'll solve all their problems. Yeah. Now they're actually having to be able to say, here are the range of things we can give you to choose from, whether you want, you know, personalised coaching, whether you want goat yoga, whether you want, you know, ballet therapy, they're actually having to be a lot more creative. 
And that's what corporates aren't good at, is being creative. That's what the, the entrepreneurial yeah, sector is good, good at. that. So we can come yeah, with and, solutions for them. Exactly. And that's where corporates look out because entrepreneurs have the license to be much more creative in a way that corporates don't. So corporates look out to entrepreneurs to go, give us the ideas, give us the solutions. And a lot of them have got mandates to work with small businesses because that's the lifeblood of our, of our economy in, in the yeah. UK. And it might even be things you don't think of. Like I remember when I was working in a housing association, we had one of those staff away day things, you know, when you do about trust and all of that kind of stuff. And they hired in this, they were talking about their vision and their mission and, and everything. And they hired in this person who was an artist who literally drew on a massive piece of paper across the wall, the vision and the mission while they were talking and, and drew the away day. That person got paid loads of money. And I was thinking, wow, like someone, that person is a small business somewhere, an artist yeah. who does this for a living and must get people saying, oh, I want something a bit different, you know, on our away day. Yeah. And, and it worked, you know, she was making a lot of money. I spoke to her afterwards. So it's like the smaller things as well, the things that you don't even think, well, you know, will a corporate need this? You can kind of fit it in. I remember people coming in and doing lunch and learn kind of things. It was like an hour yeah. where we'd all, you know, opt if we wanted to, to go and, and learn about something. All different kinds of things from, like you say, from like well-being and yoga right through to how to get a better night's sleep. It was yeah. like crazy the amount of things they put on for us, and they were paying each of those people to come in. Oh yeah, and they pay well. And I've got someone I know, so, so her and I were in a, a mastermind together, and she's got a really, really successful business, financial uh, financial planning business. And um, we'd had this conversation about corporate, and she said, "Well, I'm not corporate." I'm like, "You're a financial planner. You're managing hundreds of thousands of pounds." You know, she's got everything that would instill trust in a corporate organisation. She's reliable, diligent, proficient. But she's also highly creative, you know, she's a self-starter. And we had this chat about her potentially pitching to, to go and speak to a, a very, very big corporate organization. Within like a couple of weeks, she was on the stage speaking at their annual conference, being paid five thousand pounds for it, which wow. she was thinking of charging 300. <laughs> and I said, get on a call, we need to speak before you speak to them, because I knew like what they would what they would pay for. I said, if you if you offer it to them at 300, you're not getting the gig because no, they will think no. there's something wrong that you're that cheap. That's and so actually, true. Yeah. And, and essentially what she was talking to was not only a room full of people she wanted to deliver a message to, but a room full of people, some of whom will become her clients through that. So it's, it's sometimes got two sides to it. You know, you're, you're being paid for the work you're doing, but you're also now getting a new audience for the consumer side of your business because it really... It doesn't have to be either or. You, you can work yeah, with both sides and come together. Yeah, it's a bit like a funnel, isn't it? And that is the other side of it. Like we forget about the how many times these employers, these big corporates hire motivational speakers in all sorts of things. And that was another thing. That was my job to find a motivational speaker. So I was always like, because I was the PA, I was always like, okay, what have they already had? You know, we'd had like the usual ones, the person who used to work at MI5, the athlete, you know, all of the usual ones. And it was like, who else can we find that's a little bit different? And we used to go around all of these, they were kind of like speaker bureaus, I guess, speaker agencies and just look for something different. But they were they were definitely charging with like 15 to 30,000 each time they came to speak. And every kickoff meeting needed one of those. Every Christmas event needed one of those. And I think we forget that, like as entrepreneurs, quite a lot of us have inspirational stories that 
about overcoming adversity and that's the ones that they really like so it's definitely something to pitch something to think about of going into corporate that way as well if somebody's out there and they're thinking okay I'd love to go into corporate what's the process like what happens do you have to pitch to them I mean, you, you do have to pitch. There are a couple of ways that you can go in. What I always say is people get a bit caught up in, oh, I don't want to work with these people. I'm like, fine, choose who you want to work with and then target them. Figure out what you've got that they need. And the first thing I would recommend is just figuring out, do you know anyone that knows someone that can just get you an introductory meeting or get you a, a coffee with them? Because that first discussion can be really powerful. It is a pitch, but you're not going in there with a sales deck if it's an informal meeting, but you're going in with sort of, you know, an expanded elevator pitch. So that that's one way. And start that conversation, tell people what you've got and hope that it leads to the opportunity for you to go in and pitch. And then what you want to do is go in and, and give, you know, the, the pitch of your life tailored specifically to, to their needs. Um, and, and there's loads of work you can do to prep for that. The other thing you can do is bid. So you can look at what bids are on the open market. I would always say to people, if you've not done this before, try and start with something under 10,000 and just give you like a, yourself a comfort level for the first one. And then the third thing you can do is you can work with bigger suppliers. So I have certain people who work on their own who are actually placed directly with clients because I know that my client's looking for that. And sometimes I will work for bigger consultants as well. So I might know, okay, this particular consultancy has a contract somewhere I want to work. And I'll get in touch with them and say, I see that you've got a contract with this client. I would like to work with them. This is what I do. Get in touch with them if you ever need someone on the team that does that. And a lot of my work comes that way too. So, yeah. so there are different yeah. ways. Products are a little bit different. You have to be able to get the product in front of the client. And that's quite often through trade shows or basically being able to get in with buyers. Yeah, I think it's so exciting because I kind of think there's all of these people who are entrepreneurs and it doesn't mean they have to give up their entrepreneurial side and they have to stop working with their ideal client or any of that kind of thing. It's kind of like I'm always talking about diversity and having these different income streams. This is a great another income stream so that if one thing goes wrong there's still other things that you have on the table and it doesn't mean that you have to do it all either like I know plenty of people that pitch for these things and then their teams go in to deliver them they're not the people delivering and it's the same with courses you know you can if you have an amazing course that work would work just as well for corporate you can pitch those courses and sometimes they I think they call it white labeling, where they take your course and put all of their branding on it, but they pay you a large sum to do it. That's definitely another way to think about doing things, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And and as you know, I'm speaking to you from Australia, where I'm essentially over here delivering a course that I wrote all the material and I'm delivering it. It's not got my name on it. It's got two other organisations' names on it because I've sold that to them. And I see people like doing your one-to-many course when I see them talking about some of the ideas, I'm thinking, oh, I know corporate clients that you that you can sell that to. But sometimes they'll buy it off the shelf from you. But like you say, yeah, sometimes they'll say, we want that on our e-learning suite. So not only do we want to buy it, we want to buy all the intellectual property that you've got for it. We want the copyright to be ours and, and we want to own it forever. And we don't want you to sell it to anyone else. Now that is golden because you're yeah. selling that at a premium price. The other thing you can do quite often is license training. So we, we sell some of our training under license to organisations where they can use it for a certain amount of time for a certain amount of people and they pay us a fee for doing so. Um, and we're looking at licensing some more stuff to corporates as well because that is it's a, a, a semi-passive but very lucrative income stream. 
Yeah, it's, I mean, it's all amazing. I feel like there's a million ideas that I could even do. And, and I think about some of my clients and I think of the things that they could be doing here to make this extra money. And it's it's brilliant, really. So you obviously help people with this all the time. You help people get in and, and work out how to pitch and look at their pitch decks and everything else that goes with it. Look at the different ways and the kind of you see people's things and you go, OK, I I know what corporates will need here because you've seen it so many times. And so you can advise them. If somebody wants that from you, where's the best place for them to find you? Even if it's just to follow you at the moment, because they're kind of thinking about it, where's the best place to be in your world? So I'm on most of the socials, you know, you'll find me on Instagram. The best place to find me is, is on Facebook and, and probably in my Facebook group, which is a free group. People can come in, we're talking in there all the time about, about selling to corporates. And, and I quite often say, you know, if you're just corporate curious and you want to figure out if it's for you or not, then, then follow the stuff that I put on social media and come into the group and, and find it. Because it's a, it's a zero investment game for you to kind of listen and hear and think, is that the kind of thing that I would want to do? And what's your group called? It is called Entrepreneurs Getting Into Corporate. Amazing. That's what it says on the tin. So do go and have a look Absolutely. at that. <laughs> we will put the, the link in the show notes as well. But I've actually used Carol myself. So Carol has worked as a contractor and come in to help me with my team and has done a brilliant job with that. So I know that she knows her stuff. So I definitely recommend you go and check out Carol if you're looking to get into corporates. And she has all sorts of ways to help you from one-to-one right the way through to courses. So go and check her out. And let me know on the fabulous 5%. I'll put a thread in there about whether you've worked with corporates before and how you found it. Um, Because I think it's a growing thing for entrepreneurs to be able to do. And I think more and more of it's going to happen. There's going to be this merge, I think, of entrepreneurial and corporate. And I think that that can only be a good thing. Vice versa, too. You know, we're now looking at hiring people that are in corporate to come and give a bit of structure to our entrepreneurial ways of thinking. So it can work both ways. Thank you for listening today. Thanks for being here, Carol, as always. It's amazing to speak to you. Have an amazing time um, in Australia selling your course and delivering your course. And I will speak to you all next week for another episode. Thank you for listening to Making Money Online with Lisa Johnson. If you'd like to get hold of my guide to launching, go to lisajohnson.com forward slash launch and let's get you making money online.